The mission of Jesus' followers is to continue the mission of Jesus himself. Here he instructs his first disciples as to how they might proclaim the gospel through their words and deeds. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the ninth and 10th chapters. Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belt, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it, but if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. See, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you at that time. For it is not you who speak, but, through, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I tell you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The Gospel of our Lord. So something I've asked before in sermons and newsletter writings and other conversations with many of you, but I'm going to put it to you again. What is the church for? Why do we have church? What's the point? What is it all about? Our intercessory prayers last week, we prayed to God to inspire policy change solutions to promote equity and inclusion 
And later, as we remember the Emanuel 9, we implore you to cast out the demons of white supremacy that make us believe lies about ourselves and our neighbors. And I know some of you were confused by these things, wondering what they have to do with church, and worrying that the meaning of church is somehow being changed. So while we talk for a few minutes now about today's gospel reading, I want you to be thinking kind of in the back of your mind, what is church for? Bless you. Now, part of why I especially like Matthew's gospel, at least as a preacher, is because the writer gives us these five major discourses. And as someone who likes to connect a lot of their sermons, if I'm not doing actual sermon series, this narrative style makes it kind of easy to connect. Last week, Jesus said X. This week, we pick up where he left off, now saying Y. This is how it all connects and where Jesus is going with it all. Matthew's first major discourse is the ethical discourse, commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. Between Epiphany and Lent, we had a couple of readings from this lengthy three-chapter discourse, and then we studied it in depth during our Lenten book study. As the ethical discourse, Jesus tells us about the practice of faithful living oriented toward the reign of heaven and the will of God. And there's a lot for us to do, to know, to practice, and to be assured of when it comes to faithful living and orienting ourselves towards the kingdom of heaven in the here and now. And today, we begin the second discourse known as the mission discourse. It basically, it's Matthew's 10th chapter with the end of chapter nine, serving to transition the reader from Jesus's actions in chapters eight and nine to sending his disciples out to Basically do what Jesus has been doing this whole time. Casting out unclean spirits, curing disease and sickness, and proclaiming the good news. Jesus has, to this point in the narrative, done a bunch of teaching and healing. The recipients of his care are most often the common and everyday sort and people on the margins of society. His motivation is compassion. He sees them harassed and helpless. They are oppressed and victims of injustice. Their shepherds, their leaders, are concerned with maintaining a certain social hierarchy that exploits the poor and disenfranchised. In other words, them. They are sheep without a shepherd, a people without good leadership. So Jesus calls to the disciples and says the harvest, which is a metaphor for judgment, is plentiful but there aren't enough workers. God is sending people into the harvest, into the judgment for mercy and compassion. The mission discourse begins with Jesus calling the 12 disciples, symbolic of the 12 tribes of Israel, and gives them his authority to proclaim God's reign, to heal, to raise the dead, to cleanse lepers and other illnesses, and to exercise demons. This is also Matthew's only use of apostles, which literally means sent ones. The 12 are sent, and their mission is the same as Jesus's. The 12 are given their primary instructions. Namely, they are to go to the lost sheep of Israel, proclaim the good news, cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. 
It's interesting that Matthew makes an explicit statement here against going to the Gentiles. One of the most famous and often a favorite verse comes from Matthew 28 and is known as the Great Commission. Then Jesus sends the disciples to make followers and to go and make disciples of all people, Jews and Gentiles. But Matthew's theological reasoning for going only to the members of Israel here is about time and God's faithfulness to the covenant people. The Gentiles will be included in God's purposes at the appointed time. So while these apostles are instructed to go only to other Jews, they will interact with non-Jews. The restriction is thus a geographical one and not an ethnic one. So the end of today's portion addresses the coming persecutions and the reality of mission work. It's hard work, often unappreciated, if not also dangerous, even among one's own people. The mission discourse functions to expand the disciples from the work of fishing, or as in fishing for people. Their mission, which is and continues the mission of Jesus, asserts the Roman imperial world is not ordered as God desires. They are to challenge the status quo and enact God's just and merciful world order. Now listen carefully. Mission is not optional. Mission is not optional, but is in fact the very reason the disciples, the church, us, we today exist. We exist for God's mission, for God's world order of justice and mercy to be realized among all peoples. God's mission, as we are sent by God among our neighbors, is to share the good news of God's realm, to care for the sick and dying, to challenge systems of oppression, and seek God's justice and mercy everywhere. So, what is the church for? Are equity and inclusion the work of the church? Are systemic evils like white supremacy demons for us to cast out? We talk about Jesus healing people of all sorts of illnesses, even death. Last week, touch the fringe of his cloak and be healed from 12 years of hemorrhaging. Don't play music of mourning. The girl is only sleeping, not dead. And I think about clients that I saw as a social worker and stories those colleagues still tell in continuing education events. There is no amount of therapy that can cure a person of underlying conditions like poverty. And then I look around and I think about the congregations that I grew up in, that I've been a part of, that I have served. We're almost exclusively white. I'm among the youngest, even at 38. And life's joys are rarely celebrated together if they happen outside the ideal heterosexual nuclear family. We don't look like our communities. And I wonder, would I invite or encourage my friends to come to church with me to be part of a congregation? Would I even be part of one, let alone a pastor, if this one little thing in my life story had been different? I picture the kingdom of heaven as Jesus taught it in the ethical discourse, where we are blessed in some seemingly odd ways, taught about prayer, the law, 
and told that we are made to be a reflection of God's hope in the world as salt and light. We are made in God's infinitely diverse image, members of one body, each with gifts of the Spirit for proclaiming God's reign, for healing, for raising the dead, for cleansing lepers and other illnesses and exercising demons. Even though those things look different in the 21st century than they did in the first. In worship, we are gathered in to hear the word, and then we are sent out for God's mission. So again, what is the church for? And are we doing what we have been sent to do? Amen.